0: You're listening to The Better Man Podcast, becoming life-giving men together. Hey there, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Better Man Podcast. My name is Adam Tarno, and today, Kevin Harris is back on the podcast with me. Kevin leads an organization called Radical Mentoring. We had him on the podcast late in 2020, so some of you who have been around been longtime listeners. You'll recognize Kevin. You've met him before. But lately, Kevin has been talking with men about this idea of spiritual fatherhood. And so that's what we talk about today. And we also have another round of rapid fire random questions. That's something I did with Derwin a few episodes ago, and I brought it back with Kevin. And he tells a great story about the worst purchase he ever made. So you're going to want to stick around and make sure you listen to that. So with all that being said, take a listen to my conversation with Kevin, and then I'll be back with a few closing comments. Kevin, welcome back to the podcast. Good to have you here today.
1: Man, Adam, it's great to be back with you. You've had some great guests. I hope I can keep the hot streak going.
0: <laughs> That's right. I already told you, we're going to end with rapid fire, and I know you didn't play NFL football, So, uh, but I'm going to have some other good questions here at the end for you. So, uh, But let's do this. Before we jump into rapid fire, you've been sharing a message lately with men uh, on spiritual fatherhood, which is such an intriguing topic and why I invited you on here today. Cause I, I think this is going to be really helpful for all of our listeners. So what was some of the inspiration behind this message that, that caused you to want to put this thing together, that, that talk on spiritual fatherhood?
1: Yeah. So we radical mentoring, we do a conference every year where we invite, uh, men and mentors from across the country to kind of come together and, and typically in, in and around Atlanta. And our theme this year was spiritual fatherhood. And, um, I didn't have a good talk, and uh, so I was kind of racking my brain about how to frame that conversation, and I, as I was literally packing my bag to go host this conference for two and a half days, I looked at my desk in, in our little, my little office at, at home, and I had two Bibles of my dad's. One one was given to him because he had perfect attendance at Vacation Bible School. <laughs> one was given to him by just probably a either you know a confirmation class or something. And I looked at them, and they sit on my desk, but I've never spent a lot of time looking at them. And there wasn't, there were no notes. There was nothing underlined. There was no highlights or anything. And I looked at my own Bible, and this is not. Um, this is not bragging about me or in my spiritual depth, but it's pretty well beat up and it's underlined, highlighted. There's post-it notes in and around it. And I started just to think about the two. Um, I started to think about the legacy that I want to leave for my kids. And somewhere between Atlanta and about an hour and a half down the road, I had finally uh, shaped my spiritual fatherhood talk because it, it just really started to resonate with me about what's the legacy that I wanted to leave my own kids. Um, but also what, what do you do in situations with men who are, are sort of stuck in that, that tension of, of not having a spiritual legacy that's been left to them potentially by their earthly fathers? And so I, it really resonated with me. and I just have sort of kept, uh, kept talking about it over the last several months. And uh, it's just, it's really meant a lot to me.
0: Uh, Yeah, I can imagine. And so, I mean, some of the things that you talk about in this message is this idea that when it comes to fatherhood, there are two universal truths that impact us. So why don't you talk about those? What are those two universal truths?
1: Yeah, I think anybody that's listening to this conversation, there are two things I know about them without ever having met them. One is that we've all been uh, marked either for good or for bad by our earthly fathers, You know, some some people will call it the father wound, which has a tendency to, I think, oftentimes um, create some negative energy around our earthly fathers. But I don't don't necessarily think it's the father wound sometimes comes because your dad was absolutely incredible and the wound comes because you're now trying to live up to to the expectations of, of being a dad like your own dad. And it's a little bit of the John Eldridge talk about, you know, every man's carrying this wound and the wound's been given by the father. And um, I, I just think we all have something in us, whether our dad was kind of the all-American who could do everything, or if our dad was on the other opposite scale, the absent dad who either, um, whether he was absent because of something traumatic that happened or whether he was absent because he was hyper-focused on his career, whether. Um, all of us as men have got have got this marking, good or bad, by our earthly father. So that's one thing I know about everybody who's on this call. The other thing I know about everybody on this call is that um, our heavenly father, heavenly father is absolutely wild about us. Yeah. That he... Um, you know, that we carry the same power that, that when he rose from the grave, we have that same resurrection power that we were knit together, that our days are numbered, that he knows the number of hairs on our heads, that we're sons of the risen King. And I know those two truths are, are absolutely true about you and about me and about everybody else. And um, I think that that's just a really, really important thing to to remember for all of us as men, that we've got this tension between Either the good or bad marking from our earthly fathers, and the and the ultimate um, you know love that we have from our heavenly Father for us.
0: Yeah, and that's where the spiritual Father comes in, is in this tension that probably for most people listening, the father wound is that it's uh, unfortunately you know we had a dad who cared, uh, maybe he loved you know he he loved us, he was trying, but there are some things. That have left a mark. Maybe, as you mentioned, uh, maybe, he, maybe he left us or maybe he turned his back on us or maybe he just didn't pay attention or some things that he said. Uh, every guy's got a story. And unfortunately, a lot of them are bad. And so it's in that that uh, that dichotomy almost between the love that our Heavenly Father has for us and maybe the mistakes that our earthly father has made which is where the role of a spiritual father can come in and and play in our life. So talk about that. What is that role that a spiritual father can play in light of those two universal truths?
1: Yeah, and before I do that, let me just frame this and put one more thing on the table for us. I think it's really important that a lesson I had to learn, even in my own childhood, I lost my dad um, when I was in high school. So he was a good dad, um, but there was just always some tension around that. But I think it's always important to know that our dads did the best they could based on what they knew and where they were in life. That I think sometimes it's, we we have this begrudging anger or discontent towards our earthly fathers. And sometimes that's because we were expecting more of them than they were ever capable of doing just because that wasn't what they knew. And so they're, they're also the, you know, they also were marked for good or bad by their fathers. So there's a generational thing that, it, that happens that, um, sometimes we just need to stop ourselves and let go of some of that anger and that, uh, in that frustration, but yeah, um, very to, well said. to go back to your question about the kind of the role of the spiritual father, um, part of it's my own story. Um, but part of it, you know, I just really think it's this idea that there can be someone who uh, is a little further down the road from us, who has experienced some things in life, who can really help interpret, um, some of the disconnect we have in those two realities. And so, um, you know, I think that that spiritual father role is, is critical because it does. It, 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 for me personally, it was, it was a guy who just was willing to share the honest truth with me. Um, he was able to firmly question some of my own theology and some of my own identity issues And he was able to sort of see things about my father wound that I couldn't see because I was too close to it and helped me pan the camera back a little bit and bridge the gap between those two truths. And so um, that to me is the role that 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 spiritual father uh, really plays.
0: Did you, you know, when you, uh, well, let, let's put some names on this. So, yeah. one of the first spiritual fathers that you had in your life, who, who would that be? And I guess even in my question there, I'm implying that there's multiple ones. So, I guess first, is it one person that played this role in your life, or was it multiple? And and what are what are their names? And and talk about that relationship. What did that look like?
1: Yeah, I had I had a few. I would say, you know, when I look back on on my on my childhood, it was we. We were involved in the church as a family, but oftentimes it was more of a casual relationship. And so I, had, I got involved in a couple of youth groups along the way, and there were guys like uh, Tom, Cal- Tom Caldwell and Rob Wills and Tom Doss, who were just really consistent men who mm-hmm. were either volunteering or leading our youth group that were there to really speak some truth to me, um, help me with some biblical truth, just some base level things that I didn't understand. Um, when I lost my dad, they were the guys that sort of showed up um, right away. They were there to walk me through a really tough season. Um, probably the most influential was a guy by the name of Reggie Campbell. Uh, Reggie's got to passed away about a year and a half ago. But he was the guy that sort of caught me in, um, in, in, in my transition period from um, – Single guy to engage guy. I, I was then. Um, I was married for a couple of years. I had met Reggie through a friend of a friend, um, and he was the guy that was just so brutally honest in a good way about um, just some of the some of the bad theology that I had developed in my own life, specifically around this idea that I understood in my head that God loved me. I understood in my head that God had a plan for my life. I I could repeat all those verses, but I also had this tension in my, that oftentimes blocked that kind of head to heart movement that a lot of men struggle with, that if God loved me, then why did my dad get taken away? And why did this happen? And so Reggie was the first guy that really just leaned in and said, Kevin, if you can't get that right, if you're going to walk around holding this, holding this grudge, against your heavenly father, you'll never be able to ex- accept the the love of your heavenly father. And by the way, you'll never be able to take that and let that change your marriage. Let that change the way you parent. At that time, I didn't have any any boys. Now I've got two uh, that are yes. 15 and 12. You'll never understand how to... Parent in light of that truth that your heavenly father loves you, you won't know how to work in the in the business world in light of the way that your heavenly father feels about you. And so Reggie was the guy that really caught me in this transition period of you know where marriage and career and family would all start to come together. And he and he called me um, to the carpet in a lot of ways on some of those some of those false some of those lies that I had been living and uh, letting kind of dictate my my own life.
0: Yeah. And isn't that one of the roles, too, that a spiritual father can play um, with just helping people to understand who this heavenly father is and how he is completely and totally different from your earthly father, good or bad, right? Absolutely. You know, that, that no matter what, if you had the dad of the year or your dad's in jail for what he did to you, uh, both of those fall woefully short of who our heavenly father is. He's not, I love what Louis Giglio said years ago. He said it, and I've never forgotten it, that. You know, our heavenly father is not just a reflection of our earthly father. He is the perfection of our earthly father. And so, uh, which is just so profound, you know, to really think about. And if I think about spiritual fathers in my life, that's a lot of what they did in the beginning was helping me understand who this heavenly father is that says he loves me so much and how he's different than my dad or how he's different than my mom or he's different than my, you know, insert any authority figure in your life, right? My boss or my coach or my family, you know, he is completely different from everybody. And it sounds like that's what Reggie did for you.
1: No doubt. Yeah, he absolutely did. That um, That he really helped get my mind around some of that simple truth so that I could then begin to understand how better to live out of that power. And, and once men figure that out, um, the, the impact it has on a family, on a community... And the way that impacts a generation is is just, it's unbelievable. And so, yeah. you know, Reggie really helped me figure that out. I've been reading some, some Tony Evans um, of late, and I really just love this idea where he says, a messed up man contributes to a messed up family, which contributes to a messed up church, which contributes to a messed up community, which contributes to a messed up county, a messed up state, a messed up country, and a messed up world. Wow. and i think oftentimes there for me what happened was reggie sort of broke to some degree that generational curse that had that i would that i was holding back and not, not living out of the power of the love that god had for me
0: yeah yeah and it really is remarkable when we think about what paul wrote about in first corinthians 12 about this body and this family that we get to be a part of now as followers of Jesus or what Paul wrote about in Ephesians two, with that dividing wall of hostility that's being taken down. And now there's this new entity um, this new identity that we're finding that this is what's amazing is that we really can have these family like relationships, these um, you know, we can get these spiritual fathers in our lives to reteach us some things that maybe our earthly fathers or our communities missed. And so, Uh, There's always hope, you know, there's always hope that we can continue to progress and get to know our Heavenly Father more and um, it's just a beautiful thing that God has not left us alone that when He saved us, it's not just okay, there you go. Good luck that he gave us one another and uh, and gives us these these mentors, these spiritual fathers to help us. So let me ask you this um, Kevin, so let's say somebody though is listening and they really did have an amazing dad, right? They did have the dad with the worn out Bible and that dad shared his Bible with them and and you know taught him so much about who God is and uh, theology and how to Uh, love a woman and how to work hard. And I mean, just was really an amazing dad. Would they need a spiritual father as well? Is that that something that would be a benefit to them? Or is it okay that they had just a great earthly dad?
1: I think that idea of spiritual fatherhood is important, even for the guy who had that all-American dad, because I think, and this is some things we've learned even at at Radical Mentoring as we've tried to kind of help churches facilitate these mentoring relationships, is that Oftentimes, in fact, I'll tell you a story. There was a guy that one time shared his story and, um, as he was sharing it, he talked about how great his dad was in one part of the conversation. And then the other part of the conversation, he would say things like, but I couldn't wait to get out of my house to get Hmm. out from underneath my, the the pressure of my dad or whatever. You know, his dad was like the scratch golfer, you name it. He checked all the boxes. And and when this mentor kind of leaned into that conversation after the story was told and said, help me understand that you said this about your dad being great, but you also talked about your desire to want to get out from underneath him. And the guy said, you know, nobody's ever, nobody's ever caught that before in my story. And he said, the reality was by staying under him, my faith and everything else was, was really just really in the shadow of who my dad was. And it put in a tremendous amount of pressure when I was thinking about my marriage or my parenting or my academics or or my athletics, whatever it might be, it was always sort of tied to the shadow of this incredible dad that he had. And so even those guys that have great dads, sometimes the unintended consequence of that great dad is there's a really great wound that happens, not in the negative sense, And sometimes it just takes somebody else to go, I get that, but you've got to, you have to develop your own faith and and, and sort of live out of your own identity and your own story and and still accept all those incredible things that we know are true from our heavenly fathers. Sometimes it's hard to even connect them to the heavenly father because we think our earthly dads are so great and that keeps us from connecting it in. So I think this idea of, Really, just having somebody a season of life or two down the road ahead of us is so incredibly powerful because it just creates just a little bit of time and space. If our dads are great, there may be some things we're struggling with that we don't even want to talk to our dads about. And you have somebody who's just a little further down the road that helps sort of help bridge those gaps for us. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And sometimes, you know, uh, just an outsider's perspective, you know, can, can be helpful. I know with my, my oldest is 12 years old and now he, uh, with the church that we go to, he's a part of the, you know, the youth group. And so he's got these leaders that uh, technically are going to be with him until he graduates. You know, yeah. they they stay with him from sixth grade all the way. And my wife and I are so excited to now have a, the voice of another man. And it's really three men that are leading that group with, with some of his peers, but we just know how beneficial that is to go, Hey, he's going to have an outsider's perspective because you know, there's may be some things that Jackie and I are like groupthink, right? Like we don't even know what we don't know because we just know what we know. And so it could be really helpful for him there. And I'd like to think that we're, you know, we're halfway decent parents, but yet it's still going to, we know it's going to be beneficial for him to have some other spiritual fathers as well to help him and to guide him uh, in his journey. And I think, yeah, so regardless of what kind of parents we have, uh, whether they're good or bad or somewhere else on that spectrum, this idea of the spiritual father can be really helpful. You know, we, we see this example, Kevin, really just right there in the New Testament with, uh, with Paul and Timothy. So talk a little bit about that and the model that they have, you know, that's laid out right there for us in the New Testament of somebody and the benefits of, of having a spiritual father.
1: Yeah, I love. I love it. Um, you know, I think one of the things that strikes me about Paul and Timothy's relationship, one specific is, and it took I, I probably read this and, and never connected the dots, but when you think about Timothy, he, you know, Paul says in Second Timothy one five, he was reminded of the sincere faith which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in the, in your mother Eunice. So Timothy was a guy that. Based on what we know about him, there was absolutely a gap, and so he had a he had an, an incredible mom and an incredible grandmother who were passing down some some generational principles of faith to him. But Paul was able to, in my mind, sort of stand in the gap and help help him understand sort of the role of, of what it would look like from a from a perspective of a man to lean into his faith. So to me, I think that was really that's always fascinating to me about. Um, about that relationship and specific to just where Timothy came from. You know, if you look back to it, um, you know, Paul kind of, Paul was, was a wisdom imparter. You know, he talked about in first Thessalonians, he imparted not only the gospel, but our own lives as well. So you get that idea of the, the, um, there was a teaching component, but there was also just a wisdom that came from life experience that Paul was also trying to, to teach Timothy. You know, the greatest mentors are not always the greatest teachers. Uh, oftentimes, they are just the the kind of men that you look at the way they live and their willingness to share that and and walk beside you. Um, to me, that's really really attractive. And so I do I love the way Paul sort of said, "Hey, it's also it's the gospel, but it's also the my life experience um, that's really, really important.
0: Yeah, which is so good. Yeah, I mean, and and if I think about the spiritual fathers I've had in my life, yes, they have certainly helped uh, grow my affections for Jesus, teach me God's word, teach me how to pray, teach me theology. Um, They also like helped me learn how to balance my checkbook a little bit, right? And just how to think about a credit card and just some simple little life things as well along the way too. No doubt. Which is is uh, immensely helpful um, as well. So, um, let's do this just, you know, a, a couple of more questions here, but, um, you know, this idea of mentoring, uh, obviously with the organization you lead with radical mentoring, you guys think about mentoring a lot and that's just one of those buzzwords and church and even in the business community that, that can just be thrown out and can mean so many different things. But I like the way you guys talk about it at radical mentoring about what a mentor is and what it isn't. And I think it fits in this conversation with spiritual fatherhood as well. So why don't you unpack that a little bit? Just just put some more guardrails and talk a little bit more about what a mentor is and is not and how it fits with spiritual fatherhood.
1: Yeah, we, I just talked about one, that whole idea of teacher and facilitator we just talked about, which is a really important part of it. Um, I think one that's really important, a mentor is not a consultant. A mentor mm. is not there to give advice and... Um, necessarily solve whatever whatever problem it is that the mentee is facing. They're there to be more of a coach. You know the challenge with giving advice is that if it doesn't if it doesn't work out for the other person, it's your fault because you're the one that gave the advice. Um, this idea of mentor being able to facilitate conversations, ask great questions, coach somebody with that model to the place where they're able to make their own decision. It's, um, it is a really important part of a, um, kind of a, of the, of a critical part of being a mentor. I like to say this, a mentor is not a travel agent. Hmm. Um, you know, a travel agent can sit behind their desk and look at the pictures and tell you all the great things about the destination you're thinking about going to, where, where as a family are going to try to get, take a trip down to Costa Rica, just the four of us. And, um, You know, the travel agent, if they haven't been to the place, they're really not. They're good, but they're really selling you what they see on the screen. Um, A mentor is a tour guide. A mentor is somebody who has been there, who knows the history, who is sort of walking you through the process of understanding where you are, where you're headed, how do you get from point A to point B because they've, they're not looking at the map on the computer and, and telling you what to do. They've walked those steps before you and they're able to say, Hey, you might want to think, you know, you think you ought to go right here, but I can tell you if you go left, the view going to be a lot prettier than if you swing off to the right because you feel like it's a shortcut. And so that mentor is that tour guide. Um, a mentor is not an adoptive parent. I think sometimes yeah, people hesitate to, to be a mentor because they think I've already raised my own kids i don't you know there's there's not much more i I don't really want anybody else to move in and live with me and the role of mentor is really not to be that that adoptive parent and bring all these mentees into their home and take care of them all the time but it is to be that spiritual father the one that can sort of help just help guide and shape life experiences because they've been there before and they've and they've already done it and um they're they're there just to really guide along the way, and so I think that's a really those are some really important distinctions that you're facilitating, you're coaching, you're you're a tour guide, not a travel agent, and you're you're there to serve as a spiritual father.
0: Man, that's a great list. That's a really great list. I'm going to make sure that we get that in the show description so that people yeah. can have that uh, handy because I think that's going to be uh, incredibly helpful when you talk with uh, men around the country and you're trying to encourage them to become a mentor. Which of those is the most freeing for them to think about, okay, it's not this, it's that uh, on that list? Is there one that really pops as, uh, as being more helpful to, to men that you interact with?
1: Yeah, I think that, uh, the biggest one, in fact, it may, may not even have been on the list before. Um, it, it probably falls into that teacher and consultant role. I think the thing that keeps so many people from doing this is they think that, that there's some prerequisite course they have to go through, or, oh my goodness, what if Adam asked me some theological question I don't know the answer to? And so we we get frozen in our ability to want our desire to do this because we don't think we know enough. And the reality is the best mentors look at their life experience and the places that they've been. And that is what they use to shape that mentoring experience for, for the mentees that they're kind of bringing in alongside them as it's There is no, uh, you don't need to know Greek or Hebrew to do this. You really just have to know where you've been, who Jesus is, where you continue to mess up, how Jesus continues to step in there and help you fill the gaps and uh, and just what it looks like to to live a really authentic and transparent Jesus following life that's not always perfect, but you're willing to share that openly with this group of men who are, are a season of life, a generation behind.
0: That's awesome. I love that. Okay. Um, let's say this, let's say there's a young man listening, realizing, okay, I could use a spiritual father in my life. Where do I find a spiritual father? Is there like a website that I go to, that yeah, I just you sign go to up Adam for this?
1: <laughs> That's and, uh, right. you, yeah, you can go that, there, but I think yeah.
0: you're going to be sorely disappointed. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but in all seriousness, where where can most of these connections happen? Where, where can a young man go if he's looking for a mentor yeah. like this or a spiritual so father?
1: One of the things we've tried to do is really help equip the local church with this. Um, what, we've, what we've sort of understood over time as we've been doing this for the last, gosh, probably 10 years now, is that there are a lot of men who have a desire to sort of be a mentor, but they don't necessarily know how to engage younger guys. And there are a lot of younger guys who would love to have a mentor. They don't know how to engage or ask somebody a generation ahead of them. And so, um, oftentimes for us, the, the local church has sort of become a place where they have both of these groups of people—older um, guys and younger guys—and we really just help us help them help that church facilitate a process that uh, not only helps connect the group but we actually even give them the track to run on. We give them a nine month track or a 12 month track. We give them conversation guides and homework assignments and recommended books. We've really done all the heavy lifting. And so if you're listening to this as a um, staff pastor somewhere, uh, you can go Mm -hmm. to radicalmentoring.com and and just poke around a little bit. All of our resources are free um, because we really believe in the power of this ministry and the impact it can have on, on a church and a community. So if you want to poke around there and learn a little more, Radical Mentoring is a great place. If you're a potential mentor and you think, man, I'd like to take this to my church, go to the exact same website, radicalmentoring.com and approach you. We'll give you some insights into how to even ask a, pastor on staff for help. If you, this is something that you really feel like is in your heart of what you want to do, we want to create some some simple steps to help you get this in front of the right people at your church and ask them the right questions. And if you're a potential mentee, it's another thing you can do is go to the website, understand the process. Um, we, we love this kind of group mentoring idea because what it does is it it takes a little bit of the pressure off the one-on-one relationship to have to come up with something to talk about all the time. And so if you're a mentee and you know that there's four or six other guys that are in a similar and stage of life that you are, and maybe it's somebody who's already been a mentor to you and you want to equip them with a process that they could help lead, a, uh, already lead a group of you guys through it together. You can go to the same website, set up the same account and and sort of see what the, what that process would look like. And so it really is all housed on RadicalMentoring.com.
0: All right. Uh, I love that. Okay. You ready for rapid fire?
1: No, I'm not. This is actually... Well, yeah, thing that it's makes coming at you, heart. so you got to be ready. Okay. Don't
0: overthink it. Just tell me. All right. You're in the newspaper. Would Are you going to want to read the comics, do the crossword, or do the uh, Sudoku puzzle?
1: Oh, gosh. I'm not doing Sudoku. I've never gotten a Sudoku right. Even the ones is like four blocks. I can't figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> uh i'm gonna go comics i think that's comics, okay it just yeah uh, it, it, i can be entertained versus having to get frustrated because i can't figure there that you game.
0: go just, i like uh, that uh guilty pleasure tv show right now
1: oh gosh i love um i, I love the, there's a C, the seal show i think it's called seal team or seal something on cbs i like that one i, I like the the adventure ones that sort of have a have a little uh a little, a little energy and adventure to them. My son likes SWAT, so I have a tendency to watch that with him sometimes.
0: Okay, I like that. Okay, uh, one concert you would love to go to, or a band that you haven't seen play live that you want to see play live?
1: Oh, gosh, that's good. I'd love to see Chris Stapleton.
0: Chris Stapleton. All right, I wasn't expecting that. All right, no, I like that. Uh, what What's were your you go to?
1: Uh, I think like
0: U two or um, yeah, uh, the Rolling Stones or something like that is what yeah, I was expecting.
1: U two, but I'm gonna go with Chris Stapleton.
0: All right, what's your go-to Chick Fil A order?
1: Number one.
0: Yeah, nice and I, classic. I always
1: call it Arnold Palmer to go with it, but now they have the, they call it a Sunjoy, which that's a little. Bit Do you think Arnold
0: has uh, has trademarked it that they're going to call know. it a Sunjoy? I don't know what happened. I don't but, think Arnold. Like who would go after Chick Fil? a Well, there's some people that would go yeah, after Chick Fil. a But anyway, yeah. so uh, okay, what what yeah. books are on your uh, what books are on your nightstand right now?
1: Uh, I've got, uh, literally sitting next to me right now, uh, on my worst day, which is by a guy named John Lynch. who's just a, a friend and a guy that just, is fun to read. And I've got irresistible faith by, uh, by Scott Saul's are the two that are okay. on my, uh, on my bedside table right now.
0: All right. Besides better man, uh, what podcasts do you listen to? What's in the rotation?
1: Oh goodness. Um, let's see. On occasion I'll drop Tim Ferriss in on occasion. I have a handful of, uh, sermons that are, uh, what you call it, churches that I'll listen to. Um, gosh, I have like a, a really long list of podcasts that tend to recycle on my, okay. uh, on my feed, but better man is always the one that I, uh, right away stop everything and
0: listen <laughs> you to You know exactly when it publishes. Soon. Yes. Okay, I'm going to give you a choice. This first time ever, I'm going to give two and you oh, pick which gosh. one you want. This will be the last one. You can either answer what is the worst purchase you've ever made Ooh. or uh your favorite like if you could only eat one pizza the rest of your life, where would it come from? You pick which one.
1: So here's the worst purchase I've ever made. Okay. I, so I bought a Jeep and it was really cool and my family loved it and um but I decided that I wasn't quite manly enough. I I think I literally said that the Jeep made my back hurt. And so I traded the Jeep in and got a 2013 sedan. It was a hybrid and um, it it was hands down the worst thing I've ever done because for a period of about six months, my family completely disowned me and told me I was an old man and a dork. (laughs) <laughs> and um so I had to then I'm not even a car guy, but I was ridiculed so much by my own family that I had to actually go get another car because my practical hybrid sedan, which I was getting thirty-six miles to the gallon in, was keeping me from having a relationship with my wife and kids. And so I thought <laughs> it's time to get rid of that. So yeah, it was oh, a fun. I mean, how sad is that? That is my worst. purchase. Oh, I like
0: it. That's way better than your favorite pizza. So that's a great story. Kevin, loved having you on the podcast again today. Thanks so much for jumping in. We're going to have to do this again soon. Uh, And I just, I love your idea or this idea of spiritual fatherhood. I mean, it has had an enormous influence in my life. If I look back on my life, I'd love to be able to say, I figured this all out on my own or uh, any aspect of maturity that has come about in my life is because of me and my effort and It's just just a lie. It's just not true. I mean, there have been so many people that God has placed in my life to play that role of spiritual father over my journey with Jesus over the last 25 years. And I am so grateful, grateful for names like John Reeves and John McGee and Bob Strickland, uh, guys who were just a little bit farther down the road than me, that helped me first and foremost understand how much my perfect heavenly father loves me and cares about me. So those of you that are listening, maybe the young men that are out there, I just encourage you to take Kevin's advice, seek out a mentor or spiritual father in your life, Uh, go to your local church. I mean, that would be a great place to start. Go to your pastor or somebody on staff there. What we here at Better Man love about radical mentoring is how we are on the same mission to help men on their journey to faithfully be the man that God has called them to be. So whether you find a mentor at your church or through radical mentoring, or through the Better Man 11-week experience. The point is this, don't be on this journey alone. I hope you hear that over and over and over again on this podcast. And if you need help, uh, let us know how we can help you at betterman.com. Well, today's episode, as always, was mixed and edited by the team over at Sound of a Rose. You can learn more about them at soundofarose.com. that's all we got for today. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you again next time.